So, Tim Keelan, when it comes to the question of what is the best moment of this NFL season to date, I imagine the thing that sticks in your mind is probably the thing that is also stuck in mine. I would think so, Pablo. I think there isn't that much competition for the greatest moment in the season. I think it's it's pretty clear that it happened on uh, November 13th. A sack makes it fourth down and a mile as we welcome you to Orchard Park with two minutes left in a four-point game. Bills, Vikings, fourth and 18, two minutes left. And Kirk Cousins goes back to pass and decides that his best shot is to just throw it up in the general area of Justin Jefferson. <laughs> and what happened after that is probably something we've never seen before in terms of human dynamics. It's like the ball went in the air and Justin Jefferson became liquid. You know, he he, <laughs> he jumped backwards. This uh, defensive back for Buffalo, Cam Lewis, was standing there waiting for the ball like he was going to catch a punt. And uh, they both go up and Cam Lewis has two hands on the ball. Right. And Justin Jefferson gets his right hand behind it as he's nearly horizontal in the air. And he somehow pulls it down into his own body and comes down with the ball. Kirk Cousins back to throw on fourth and 18. He's given time. He wants Jefferson. Climbs the ladder. Oh, my goodness. Justin Jefferson pulled it in. The catch of his life keeps the Vikings' hopes alive. And Cam Lewis is like the rest of us, like, what? You know, did that just happen? <laughs> it was one of those moments where something that was impossible seconds earlier now isn't. We have to recalibrate our brains to take into account the idea that this single event that we just watched is now part of human possibility. Are you kidding me with that catch, JJ? That's one of the most cold-blooded receptions you're ever going to see in your life. Immediately after it happened, his brother Ricky, who I spoke to extensively for this piece, said that the one thing Justin was missing in his, uh, his resume was sort of the signature catch. And mm. they had talked about this. They said, you got to get one of those catches and the one that everybody will remember you by. So immediately when it happened, Ricky said he just jumped up and said, there it is. There's the catch. <laughs> and, and that Justin got off the ground and knew that was the catch. That catch solidified Justin Jefferson as the best receiver in the NFL. The Minnesota Vikings are 9-2 and two right now. And there have been a lot of surprises this NFL season. But that basic fact is up there. And yes, it was made possible by the greatest and most difficult catch I have ever seen. Which is why it is also surprising that one of the best and most visible athletes in America, someone being imitated by kids all across the internet, whether they know it or not, has been something of a mystery. So today, we summon the man who just reported a whole ESPN cover story on Justin Jefferson to tell us why the rise of this 23-year-old receiver is unlike any other. 
and how it almost never happened. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Thursday, December 1st. This is ESPN Daily. So, Tim, there are a lot of ways to report a story on a wide receiver that is really, really, really good at football. I appreciate that you took the uh, approach of an art critic, it felt like, in terms of describing exactly what it was like for you to watch Justin Jefferson work at his craft. Tell us what you see when you see Justin Jefferson. Well, I see a lot, Pablo. <laughs> so I kept watching him. I watched him at practice. I watched him in games. I watched him on film, on video. And something struck me that he's just different. The way he moves. Cousins takes the snap. Doesn't even fake it. The cooking set throws to a wide open. Justin Jefferson. Touchdown, Vikings. The image that kept coming back to me is like, He's running on grooves, like he's not stopping and turning and stuff. Everything is of one piece. Throws it up in the air near the goal line. Caught by Jefferson into the end zone. Touchdown! It's like you're watching a high-speed train or something, and every turn is at the same speed as the as the straightaway. And he gets to full speed, just like boom. I mean, two strides, and this guy is going. The leaping grab made by Jefferson inside the 35-yard line in traffic. He says, "Give it to me." Yes, 30 yards. Woo! There's this word that kept coming into my head, and I was almost hesitant to use it because it's such a non-football word, but. But Justin Jefferson is elegant. He brings this elegance to the field that that is so at odds with most of what we see on the line of scrimmage and guys running into each other. And, and there's this this thing out there on the side that's just like like art, you know? That's what I see when I see him, and it, it just feels different. Yeah, no, there is no herc, there is no jerk. <laughs> when it comes to the the movement patterns of this guy, he does have like this maglev kind of energy to him where it all feels easy and quiet and faster than you realize. And the result, Tim, has been a career now almost three full seasons old. That is remarkable. How do you summarize the math behind him, the science on top of the art? Yeah, I mean, the science is is pretty clear, too, right? I mean, after not even three seasons, he's got the most yards of any receiver in his first three seasons. He broke the record set by former Viking Randy Moss, which is no small feat. Heard of him. He's over 1,200 yards through 11 games. He's got six games. He's got an outside chance of getting to 2,000. He and Michael Thomas share the record for most receptions in their first two seasons of a career. So it's... It's a pretty comprehensive resume he's putting together, even without that catch that we've talked about. Yeah. And you kind of have to say, like, Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback, but (laughs) Kirk Cousins isn't prime Aaron Rodgers. You know, he's not. You've got a guy that is putting up these kind of numbers with a workmanlike quarterback. All due respect to Kirk Cousins. 
Justin Jefferson has made Kirk Cousins look very good more times than the one we've already talked extensively about. Yeah, I'm curious now how one makes a Justin Jefferson. Like, how you, you reported this story out. You, you talked to the people that knew him from day zero. How do they explain how he was built? Pablo, I have to confess that I went into this story without knowing a whole lot about Justin Jefferson. <laughs> Same. Yeah, for his ability, it's been like, who is this guy? You know, there's it's been a little bit underpublicized just how how good he is and what his story is. And, you know, I knew that I knew the brothers a little bit, but I, I knew that he had a brother, Jordan, that was the quarterback at, at LSU and and Ricky was a was a defensive back at LSU. They were both good players, but they're so much older. For instance, Jordan was the starting quarterback at LSU when Justin was like 9, 10, and 11 years old. And he would come home and they, they, would, they would throw the ball. All this is taking place in a little town called St. Rose, Louisiana. It's just outside of New Orleans. Uh, you can stand in the front yard of the house and see the levee that holds back the Mississippi River down the street. Part of the family lore is that there's a vacant lot next to the house that they grew up playing on. And it's it's a pretty good-sized lot. It was like their training ground. These guys, they would whenever they couldn't find Justin, they knew he was out there throwing the football to himself. It was where Jordan would come home and throw passes to Justin. And, you know, he would throw as if he was throwing to Odell Beckham. I mean, he would throw the ball as hard to his 10-year-old brother as he did to LSU receivers who would eventually become NFL stars. I spoke with Jordan and, and Justin about this dynamic. Kirk throwing a rock a little bit. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> yeah, back memories. I mean, you know, that's something that we used to do growing up, you know, uh, on the weekend. They were they were playing catch in a parking lot in, in Minneapolis and, and talking of sort of reliving these days the, that they spent in this empty lot in St. Rose next to their home. Uh, I mean, I remember my hands used to be stinging in pain, uh, just trying to catch the ball. Uh, but he used to, I remember he used to, like, I used to stand probably like 15 yards, 20 yards, and I used to try to catch that ball. That junk used to hurt so much. But you used to, <laughs> but you used to catch it, hang out, coordination. <laughs> like we always said, if you can catch this ball, you can catch any ball you catch in the this country. ball, I can catch any ball in the country. Which that's, you know, the best <laughs> way to uh, sit back and look at the situation. I asked you know, Jordan, I go, did you guys, did you guys ever go easy on him? You're home on the lot next to the house throwing the ball to your nine, 10 year old brother. Do you take it easy on him? No. He looked at me like, oh, you better take that back. We're competitors and we're going to push as far as we can. That gave him a lot of confidence, which confidence in football is the main thing. So when he's eight, nine, 10 years old and he's working out with me, by the time he works out with his age group, it's domination. It's, it's not only easy, it's repetition. I have confidence. And so what is being described here is a pretty clear strategy, a clear path so far, right? There's this trajectory that is being carved out by these two older brothers who both played at LSU. One of them's a quarterback, the other a defensive back, who together help mold this little kid 
into a real prospect. And so the next natural step along this path is National Signing Day. That is when recruits all around the country are announcing the school they're going to play for. And how did that day play out for Justin? Well, signing day for Justin, you know, it's funny. You could go back and look at pictures, Pablo, of of Jordan's signing day and Ricky's signing day. And they almost serve as like a like a growth chart for Justin Jefferson because he's in <laughs> both of those pictures. And it, you can kind of track his size difference and stuff because he's there and he's smiling in both of these, these signing days for his brothers. The parents are there. And it's clearly a family event and a, and a very big deal. And so Justin grew up, that was his goal. Like that was the dream. I always dreamed of being on signing day. Uh, the day of signing day, my friends and family is all here, all there to, to watch me, you know, sign, sign my life away pretty much <laughs> to, to school, to a program. You know, he hasn't faced a lot of adversity in his life, but he did face some his senior year in high school when he found out that some grade issues that he had as a freshman, they came back to haunt him. I didn't take it too seriously my freshman year, and uh, that hindered me in the back end. You know, my back was against the wall my senior year. Uh, I had to qualify. I had to uh, make certain grades in order to to have a certain GPA to go to uh, D1 school. So uh, not too many schools really offered me or really put interest in me because uh, my grades were pretty bad. He woke up on signing day knowing he was ineligible knowing that some of his friends were going to be at the high school with their parents and their little brothers. And, and he cried. What was signing day like for you? Oh, one of the toughest days of my life. It was a tough morning that morning for me, you know, just sitting there, uh, shedding tears, uh, just laying in my bed, feeling defeated. He very openly says, I lay in bed and I just bawl. Uh, not knowing where my life was going to go at that point. You know, it just was a difficult day just because I wanted to be there. You know, I wanted to, to have that, that memory of me signing, signing to a school and it didn't happen. After the break the behind-the-scenes story of how Justin Jefferson got exactly where he needed to be. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Sam, I've heard of, you know, recruits with academic issues before. And if they're talented enough, they still have options, right? What were Justin Jefferson's options as he is in bed crying on his national signing day, ineligible to play college football? 
Well, Pablo, he had options. He just didn't really like them. <laughs> the offers he had because of his academic issues were Tulane, Nickel State, University of Louisiana. So it wasn't what he expected of himself. It wasn't the family expectation. It wasn't LSU or Alabama. However, LSU was the school that was the one power five school that said, hey, we're going to hold this. Ed Orgeron said, I'm going to hold this scholarship. I know the family. I know this kid. I, I think he's a great player. If you get your grades straight, we're going to be there for you. So it took summer school. Um, Justin laughed that, that he, <laughs> he had to take French. You know, that was, <laughs> that was, uh, not something that he expected, but he buckled down. The family got together and the mom, especially Elaine was, was very instrumental in getting this together. So. Yeah, he went through summer school. He became eligible. When summer school ended, there's Ed Orgeron saying, here's your scholarship. I definitely was glad that Coach O, you know, saved that, that offer for me because he definitely did not have to. He brought me on board at LSU. I came in during, during fall camp. So, I mean, the team is pretty much together for two months already. The freshmen already had their summer workouts, summer classes, but I'm just coming in at, at fall camp. Justin's probably a good 10 weeks late for most of the scholarship guys. So he's clueless, right? He's trying to figure out where he's supposed to be. These other guys know where they're supposed to be. So he's running around trying to do the right thing, but having no idea where to go. You know, he's wearing number 32. He's about 175 pounds. You know, not too many people know who I am. People think I'm a walk-on. The most important thing that happened to Justin Jefferson that first day was that he met Jerry Sullivan. He's a 78-year-old longtime receivers coach. He spent 25 years coaching receivers in the NFL, including Isaac Bruce, Larry Fitzgerald. He spent a couple years at LSU when Justin was there as one of those, you know, old sages they bring in and call him an analyst or something, which he even laughs about. <laughs> and Jerry Sullivan sees something in him. He just looks at the way he's running and the way he's moving. And he's standing next to one of the assistant coaches and he says, you see that kid right there? He could be really good. And this other coach is looking at him like, you mean the kid that doesn't know which huddle to be in? <laughs> Sullivan goes on to explain, you know, that in the way that he is handling himself out there, despite not knowing where he's supposed to be, he said, he's, he's got what you look for. If you've been at it as long as me, you just know. So after Justin's first practice, Jerry Sullivan walked up to him and he puts his arm around Justin and he says, you don't know who I am, but if you work at this, you got a chance to be really good. John and Elaine Jefferson had dropped Justin off that morning at campus for his first day. And they're driving back to St. Rose and John calls him to see how his first practice goes. And Justin says, dad, this, this old gray haired white guy came up to me after practice and said, uh, you don't know who I am, but you got it. <laughs> and that was, you know, the family in the family lore. That's like this moment where Justin gained some confidence, right? Where he went from being this guy running around trying to figure out where to be to this guy running around trying to figure out where to be, knowing that somebody told him he could be very good. And there's a big difference mentally between those two stages. 
So he makes this impression on this wizened wide receiver guru, Jerry Sullivan. But how long did it take for Justin Jefferson to make Jerry Sullivan look smart to everybody else? He made leaps very quickly. As we know, that program changed forever when Joe Burrow transferred in and Justin, his junior year in the national semifinal against Oklahoma, he has four touchdowns in the first half. Burrow deep again on target again. Jefferson again. Touchdown again. He goes for 227 yards. The backdrop to this is that Jamar Chase was on that team too, right? And he was kind of the featured wideout. Right. So Justin played the slot most of the time that year. And, you know, that game was kind of his breakout. He scored four touchdowns in the half. That is the most touchdowns scored by any player in a Peach Bowl game. Justin said there was some talk before that game between him and Joe Burrow about like, okay, Maybe this is your time. You know, I'm going to be looking for you. And and obviously he did, and it worked repeatedly. And now it's Jefferson out of the flat. Stop and go. Lowers the shoulder. Hammers down inside the 15. And the Tigers' offense is rolling now. Justin had another 100 yards in the final. That team went on to win the national championship. As they say in the bayou, les it up on Tom Roulet. Let the good times roll. LSU sits on the throne of college football. That season just propelled him into the national consciousness. So Justin Jefferson gets drafted 22nd overall by the Vikings in 2020. And in retrospect, obviously, this is a steal. But when he enters the NFL, he enters under the tutelage of... Mike Zimmer, who is then the head coach of the Vikings, a defensive guy. How would you describe how different the experience with Zimmer was for Jefferson compared to his situation now under his new head coach, Kevin O'Connell? Pablo, we can sum this up in one anecdote, and it starts like this. Justin Jefferson, before this season, during training camp, was told by someone that works with the team, hey, you know, Coach O'Connell would like you to come up and and hang out with him in his office. He wants to talk to you about something. And so Justin says, okay, cool. And then he says, where is it? (laughs) (laughs) Where is the head coach's office? This is third year as a Minnesota Viking in the same facility. He's the best player on the team. And he doesn't know where it is. He is by far the best player on the team. He has to ask for directions. What does that say, Tim? Why does Justin Jefferson, before I blame Justin Jefferson, why does this actually kind of make sense in retrospect? Well, it makes sense only because it's Mike Zimmer, right? And I have to say that Justin had nothing bad to say about Mike Zimmer. He he respected him. He just he just said, hey, he wasn't interested in having a personal relationship with his players. This is our profession, and that's how we're going to keep it. Hey, this is my office. This isn't your office, I guess. So he he never invited Justin there. There was no reason for Justin to go there. So we're left with this moment in training camp where everyone's speechless because the best receiver in the NFL does not know where the head coach's office is in the in the facility. Well, what's crazy, though, is that despite that lack of rapport, 
with Zimmer, Justin Jefferson, you know, has 1,400 yards in his first year, over 1,600 in his second. He has 17 touchdowns by the time we enter the Kevin O'Connell era. And so what did Kevin O'Connell want out of Justin Jefferson that was also substantively different in terms of that relationship? It was kind of a mutual desire here to get the most out of Justin Jefferson. And, and it started with their first conversation. Obviously, O'Connell's an offensive guy, was the offensive coordinator for the Rams. This is the this guy that he's watched tape and over and over. He wants to coach Justin Jefferson. And the first question that Justin asks is, how does Cooper Cup get so open? <laughs> and if you're if you're Kevin O'Connell, that's like that's manna from heaven, right? This question yes. from a 23-year-old guy who is cutting through all the BS and just getting right to the point. Basically, what can you do for me that you did for him? Obviously, O'Connell coached Cooper Cup. He made him the offensive player of the year. You know, he yes. turned him from this sort of stereotypical slot receiver into a guy that can do anything. Right. And so O'Connell's answers with a question. He says, well, do you want the real answer? And Justin's like, yes, I do. So O'Connell says, Cooper Cup is able to play any spot on the field. You can put him anywhere. You can line him up here. You can put him there. You can take advantage of, of matchups with him. He knows all the concepts. He knows basically what all 11 guys are supposed to do on every play. So Justin's answer to that is, hey, I want to do that too. Yeah, so it meant that Justin Jefferson was going to be used differently than you would use most of the ex-receivers, as they're called, in the NFL, right? I mean, he was going to go back to his roots in some sense. He was going to play some slot again because Cooper Cup became maybe the most potent offensive weapon with the Rams doing everything on the field. Yes, and, and, and the other part of it is that, you know, the defenses obviously focus on the Cooper Cups and the Justin Jefferson. So what are you going to do to counteract that? And to do that, you just have to have this comprehensive knowledge of all the schemes and, and all the positions and how to uh, impact the defense. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Justin's a sponge for this stuff. He loves it. So it was just the perfect answer. But the other part of what Justin Jefferson has been doing to elevate his game, the thing I did not realize until your reporting is that he has gotten himself his own personal Yoda. And it's his old coach at LSU, the old guy who believed in him, Jerry Sullivan, who still coaches him on the side. He does. He does. I guess you don't get that good without one. I don't know. <laughs> but this guy is, he was a delightful conversation. Justin brings him up to Minnesota during training camp to work with him. So this guy's like this old guru for Justin Jefferson, who, who you know, you wouldn't expect. Like, you wouldn't expect this 78-year-old dude to be showing up teaching this 23-year-old what he's supposed to be doing. But they have this this real connection. And as I was talking to, to Jerry Sullivan about this, we were just talking about the way Justin is better than guys that might be a little bit faster, might be a little bit bigger. Like, how does this happen? I'm yeah. fascinated by that whole thing. And he says, well, I got a word for you. And then I don't hear the word. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm thinking, you know, you know, Jerry, you know, tap, tap, tap. <laughs> and he says, finally, he says, sudden. He just bursts out, sudden. The word for Justin is sudden. I mean, if you follow this guy on Instagram, his name's Jay Jettis for a reason. 
He's like a jet. He flies down the field and then slams on the brakes. If you put yourself on the other side of the ball and you're looking at number 18 for the Vikings coming at you, he's sudden, like everything is fast. The first two steps, he's at full speed. He doesn't break stride in his cuts. He, everything is done so suddenly that it's the perfect word for him. Cousins, deep shot, got a man, Jefferson, you bet! Touchdown, Minnesota! 50-yard strike. Both elegant and sudden, which are two things that wouldn't seem to go together. Yeah, unforeseen elegance feels like a rare combination of traits. Yes, just a combination of things that sort of puts that art and, and science together. Speaking of the unforeseen, Tim, we have now spent about half an hour discussing Justin Jefferson, and we have yet to mention the thing he is probably most famous for of everything. And we'll get to that after the break. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot. Taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. So, Tim, we're about to do the thing that I have left to the very end for a very specific reason, which is because to attempt to describe the gritty and Justin Jefferson's role, his animating role in in the origin of it, 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 it... already is making me feel like mummified. Like I can feel like the dust coming off of our shoulders as we try to describe in words what you cannot see in the audio medium. But if you want to give it a shot, I would greatly appreciate you doing that and not me. Yeah, and I'm probably the least equipped one to do it. But okay, (laughs) let's start at the beginning, all right? Justin Jefferson is at LSU. Uh, he and Jamar Chase, this whole team is just this fun, exciting team. They, they are, they're like a track team on the football field. And Elaine Jefferson, 
Justin's mom back in St. Rose, Louisiana, tells him, you know what? You guys should show more of your personality. You should give the fans something. Entertain us. You know, she's coming from a background of, of, of seeing Ricky and Justin specifically be like the life of the party at all the family gatherings, doing talent shows and, and cracking everyone up and, and just being, just being goofy and funny and great dancers and great sense of humor. So that's where she's coming from. And she tells him, you guys ought to do something. Well, it just so happens that Jamar Chase has a friend in Louisiana who is not an athlete, but he has created this dance called The Gritty. His name is Alan Davis. I think Jamar had came to the locker room and, you know, started showing us. Uh, we started, you know, laughing about it, you know, just, just playing with it, trying to do it. You know, eventually we got better and better at it. And, uh, you know, I was just like, man, I'm going to do it for my, my touchdown celebration. Like, you know, in college, you don't really celebrate after a touchdown. But I, I was like, man, I'm going to just do it. And so Justin's like, OK, here you go, mom. So uh, Texas game, second week of the season, um, my first first touchdown I scored. Burrow fires, and it's caught by Justin Jefferson for the touchdown. I hit the gritty. And uh, that was like the first time anybody ever hit the gritty uh, on the field. So I think that was kind of like the start of everything. Uh, I mean, every single game, every touchdown I scored, I hit the gritty. First off, the most important part of the gritty is scoring a touchdown, at least for, for guys in the <laughs> NFL. And so from there, you, you sort of tap your heels, you go from foot to foot. You're at the same time, you're you're kind of moving forward. You've got these OK symbol on your hands and they're waving at your sides. Right. You kind of have to like rhythmically now bring them to your eyes like you're now wearing goggles. You do. And you have to turn them over. Right. You got to So so you've got to bring those up to your you've can, got these goggles. I can hear you pantomiming this. Um, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sitting here trying to, to, to go through the steps. So your arms are swinging. You've got, you know, you you go back and forth between the goggles. And, uh, you know, basically you do it for as long as the spirit tells you you should do it. Yeah. Or in the case of uh, our colleague Adam Schefter, until one of your ligaments gives out on national television. <laughs> yes. yes. Or until that, that inner voice tells you this is a really bad idea. <laughs> I mean, people started, you know, asking about it, started doing it. Um, and it just got bigger and bigger as the season went on. And then, of course, going into the league, uh, hitting it for my first touchdown that I scored on a 74-yarder. Cousins taking a deep shot. Jefferson's got separation, and he's got the catch inside the 40. Jefferson still going. See you later. Justin Jefferson, have a day. Doing it in, in the uh, end zone, it sparked up the world. You know, everybody started doing it. Kids started doing it all over the world. What's it been like for you to, to watch that blow up? Oh, it's amazing. I, I, I knew it was going to be a big dance, but I didn't think it was going to be a worldwide dance. You know, it's been crazy how, how much attention it has gotten um, and still going on year three and people are still doing it across the world. It's, Amazing how much it really blew up. Now, we keep on seeing people try. Christian Pulisic has tried 
a number of times to pull this off. Mac Jones tried it in the Pro Bowl. Uh, John Morant did it in the NBA. And now it's just like a full-on meme. Like, it's all over TikTok. It's all over YouTube. The list goes on and on and on. But when you ask Justin about it, what's his scouting report on, like, his peers' abilities in this particular arena? Well, he he really has a critical eye, Pablo. He is an art critic himself he in this He definitely case. is. Who is the worst at the gritty? Probably dude from Miami. I ain't gonna lie. He's definitely probably the worst one. And that guy in Miami is tight end Mike Gazeki, who is uh, yeah. Yeah. really, yeah. really bad at it. And, you know, he said that he didn't think anyone could be worse than Kirk Cousins until then. But, uh, you know, he's <laughs> he's tried to help Kirk. I mean, I've been trying to teach him a, a little bit. I, you know, I've been I've been doing it around him for, for as long as he's been you know, knowing me. So uh, I think, you know, the more I'm doing it, uh, the better he's really getting. Kirk has, has sort of been, uh, you know, resistant to the rhythm, I guess, is what, what uh, Justin feels like. It's just not in him, right? <laughs> resistant to the rhythm is maybe the most laser-focused scouting report on Kirk Cousins that I've ever heard. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just kind of got to be inside you, and it just isn't. You know, hopefully we can get some more gritties out of him. Uh, but he said that he only going to hit the gritty if he scores a rushing touchdown. So we got to get him to score a rushing touchdown. <laughs> but it does seem like the lesson here, Tim, is that it's pretty damn hard to imitate Justin Jefferson, whether it is the gritty or, yeah, the greatest catch that anybody has ever seen. Yeah, and and Pablo, in in most cases, it's probably best not to even try. (laughs) Tim Kewen, thank you for uh, giving us your best effort, as always, on ESPN Daily. (laughs) Thank you, Pablo. It was fun. You can find Tim Kewen's cover story on Justin Jefferson on ESPN.com right now. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.